and welcome to the Dear Dyslexic podcast series. I'm your host and fellow dyslexic Shay Wissell. Dear Dyslexic is a community and resource space for everyone, but in particular for young people and adults who have dyslexia. Today's guest speaker is a highly successful author and illustrator of a number of children's books and has come all the way from sunny Queensland to join us in the studio today. I learned all about her and her successes while flicking through the paper one day. I would like to welcome to the show, LJ Kidd. Thank you, LJ, for coming on the show today. My pleasure. Good morning. So, LJ, Dear Dyslexic is about raising awareness of the successes and challenges that most of us with dyslexia may face. And you have had many successes as an illustrator and an author, as I mentioned before. But from what I've read about your school years, you were quite tra- they were quite traumatic for you. Can you talk to us a bit about those years? Sure. Um, well, back when I was in school, of course, it wasn't as known. Um, so I didn't have the help that probably what's available now. Um, I was from a broken family too, which probably didn't help. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of got isolated. I learned fairly quickly how to lie. I learned how to hide. Um, I learned how to form bad habits really fast in order to protect myself. So I learned how to survive. Um, but yeah, I kind of was, school kind of told me I was dumb. It told me I was dumb. It told me I had no skills. It told me I wouldn't succeed. And that was backed up by uh, behaviour of the teachers, not knowingly, not nasty. The teachers I had, you know, teachers were fine. My photography teacher um, was the best because I became a photographer then. Uh, But yeah, basically nobody really knew and I didn't know either what was going on. So it was, that's what forced me to drop out. I think with dyslexia, we're very good at covering up and that's part of um, a protective mechanism for us, I think, is being able to cover up or to get others to support us without other people knowing um, that they're supporting us. So I had a friend that helped me with my spelling and I didn't even realise it, but she said, I always helped you in school. But yes. I think I was just used, so used to asking people to help me and to get me through and my mum would proofread all my work for me. So I had lots <laughs> of different strategies to help me get through school. Um, and, yeah, we we find it really hard, so we cover things up. Yeah, it's, um, it's embarrassing. Mm. Yeah, I was led to feel embarrassed um, for sure. Yeah, I've, I learned some bad habits. I learned how to cheat really well. To lie, I'm a really good liar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm a good pretender. Oh, yeah, I really know what's going on, but no, I really don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's an easy one, isn't it? Pretending yeah. you know what's going on. So going, what are people talking about? Yeah. And I always <laughs> need to go to the toilet in class because that's the best way out. When they go around reading or something, mm-hmm. yeah, I could feel it coming closer. I'd get all hot and sweaty. Oh, oh, I need to go to the toilet. <laughs> you go, any teachers out there listening? Yeah. You've got a child that has Girls to go to the toilets. toilet a lot. Yeah. You need to sit down and think about what's happening for that child. <laughs> yeah, panic. <laughs> yes, I remember asking a school teacher if um, I could not stand up to read because it caused so much anxiety having That's to horrific. read. Yeah. And um, yeah. I remember him saying, now that you've raised it with me, I think you should do it more. Ooh, okay. So instead mm. of saying, okay, we won't pick you out to read, 
you I had to do it more and so I'd be so busy trying to read to make sure that I didn't miss a word or that I knew what words were coming up that I missed the whole context of what I was trying to read yeah because you just shape it don't mm. you just put it into shapes and yeah and I, you'd make yeah. I'd go into a panic because I wouldn't didn't yep. want to get up and have to read and then in at uni I would miss classes because we had a s- certain subject where the teacher would pull you out so every week someone would be pointed out to read and talk about what they'd read so I missed a lot of those classes because I didn't want to have to get up in front of everyone and start reading yeah so I understand the covering up and the excuses so any teachers out there listening (laughs) (laughs) so you've had a quite an amazing adventure though and lately you've been overseas working and writing you've written a new book um so how did that come about as a writer because for me part of my uh, issue is writing. I yes. love to read, but I, my writing is a real challenge for me. And yet you're a fabulous author of children's books and you've been overseas doing that at the moment. So can you talk to us a bit about that? Sure. Um, I actually don't read. Uh, that's one of my really bad habits I picked up in school because it was too difficult. Um, and I'm working on that bad habit. Um, but my uh, my editor actually says it's a strength now because I'm not influenced by anybody else's stories. Mm. I'm only influenced by my own. Mm-hmm. So my writing comes purely from imagination, not from any other author or any other book because I, I think I've read about five books in my whole life. I buy them mm-hmm. because I support buying books, but I never read them. I always give them away. Wow. Um, so writing... I never chose it, it chose me. I just suddenly had a, a number of things happen. I had a story in my head and it wouldn't leave me alone. I couldn't sleep. I just kept getting up through the night. I learned how to type in high school, funny enough, just before I dropped out. I failed because I couldn't read the handwriting to type it, mm-hmm. but I actually coordinated the keys really well. So I put my fingers on the keypad and started to write purely from my imagination. And um, so then it took about two years before I could admit to myself that I'm writing. And then to actually tell somebody was, yeah, pretty weird. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dyslexic. (laughs) I don't read. I don't read books. I don't know any authors. I basically don't know a lot about a lot. I'm a school dropout. Oh, but now I'm going to be a writer. Like, yeah, it felt a bit weird. But, um, yeah, so I sort of, um, I my stories, like this latest book, Oliver's book it's called, um, has been driven by the passion of my dog that died. So Rex, a cattle dog, I had two Border Collies. One of them died about three years ago, and that's when I wrote Rex, a cattle dog. I just shut down out of life and just wrote that book because I really loved my dogs. Well, Oliver died recently, so I always knew his story. Um, So when he died, I went, no, that's it. So I literally sold everything in my house pretty well, Um, pulled all my money together and went overseas, ended up in France. And Oliver's book is about a dog that turns into a fox. Well, now it's a French fox. Oh wow! So it's How lovely. Yeah. So Oliver has now become what Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. does that mean you need to get some more pets so that you can write some stories on them? A good question. I've, I've actually yeah. <laughs> One of my good friends in Port Douglas, um, we had dogs together, and her dog died a month before my dog. We they were old. They had a great life. They had us. You yeah. know, they really did. 
but it still broke her heart. So she's about to buy two puppies and she's on my case about buying another one. And I'm like, oh, let me finish Oliver's book first, dedicated yes. to him, and I'll see how I feel. But I love animals. Yeah. Animals um, just give you this connection that is beautiful and, yeah. Well, I'm sure there's lots of children that have enjoyed reading your books. So you've written yeah. a few. Do yeah. you want to talk to us a little bit about them? Sure. Uh, the first one is Tales of Snails. Uh, that came about... Um, With a pet snail? <laughs> yeah. No, actually, the snails were eating my vegetables because I love gardening. Right. And they ate everything but the parsley. <laughs> so in the book, they now eat the parsley. So it's kind of like a payback. Um, and, yeah, I became totally, um, uh, totally like every snail I saw, I started talking to it. I must have looked a bit weird, but anyway. <laughs> and um, I did try and get an illustrator to help me, but I kind of couldn't find anyone. So I, that's when I learned to sort of illustrate myself. Oh, wow. Uh, so, yeah, so I sort of just thought, hey, I'll just have a go. Yeah. It's all about having a go. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Beamadu plays his dream. I was actually working in a school at the time. I was their cook. It was a little private school and I'd cook their lunch. And um, uh, the kids who were having problems would come into the kitchen with me. Um, and one day this bee came into the kitchen and I had a couple of kids there who were having a bad day. And I shooed the bee and said, get out, go and collect honey. And the kids are like, it doesn't want to collect honey. I said, yes, it does. So we had this sort of little powwow and then a story came out of it about a bee who doesn't want to collect honey. He wants to play the violin. Oh. So, um, yeah, <laughs> bees can't play the violin, so the bully bees. Well, <laughs> why not? Because you're a bee, you have to collect honey. Who says? So it's about, you know. How beautiful. If you're a bee, it doesn't matter. You can do something else. Then there's Rex, a cattle dog. Well, that was my border collie, Rex, who died. Now, Rex was a tough dog, um, but he wasn't really. He pretended he was tough. <laughs> but in the book, he is really tough. And he goes into the, the land of the river devil where the scum rests on the water. Wow. So he's, yeah, yeah, that's been Sounds a, exciting. a really good one. Um, and then V8 Rex is about him and a car that he liked to drive in. So, um, yeah. So France must have been an exciting time for you, writing your new book. But I found when I've travelled that it can be quite difficult and I found myself lost in Paris. Lucky I was with my yes. friend who's a much better navigator, but particularly because the roads just turn into new roads all of a sudden um, and navigating is always a big issue for me. Thank God we've got Google now and Google Maps helps me a lot. But how did you manage living overseas, both speaking and having another language? As someone with dyslexia, that can be hard for us. And then also being able to navigate your, yourself around a new town. Well, I took off on this trip unexpectedly, kind of. I, I can't, yeah, long story, I won't go into all that. So I was totally um, unorganised, as dyslexia people normally are. Mm -hmm. um, we try and organise as much as we can, but then it's like things just... Phew. So I took off without internet. I, I didn't organise any internet, nothing. I really didn't know what I was doing, had no idea. But I because of my matching of shapes and I'm extremely good on colour, France Metro is all colour. Mm. So I was able to follow the colour lines. So that helped. Um, I was actually in a little, I hired a studio, a little studio apartment in sort of kind of west of France near the beach. They didn't speak English 
at all. Wow. Yeah, so that was pretty challenging. But mm. I learned really quickly just to, I was there to write, so let's just get on with writing. Mm -hmm. So I, and they kind of expect you to know a little bit about their language and I kind of don't even know my own language so I kind of <laughs> like went oh yeah sure you expect me to learn French I don't think so <laughs> but yeah between it all I had beautiful beach walks um so I spent four weeks in a little apartment underneath a house writing and drawing my illustrations um once I got over the challenge of not being able to speak I didn't speak to people for days because nobody could understand me I couldn't mm. understand them so I just sort of like went into my own zone then I went to Paris and yeah at first the metro blew me away but the color I went hey I can do this this is all color coordinated so then I had a ball and it was all free transport at the time because of the um, pollution thing okay so I I really had a ball in, in Paris and I hired another studio and continued the writing there too. Um, but extremely challenging. The only time I ever spoke to anyone was when I was in a queue for the Eiffel Tower or a queue <laughs> for some tourist thing because then mm -hmm. there was other people who spoke English. Um, the French, I never really, you know, even though I lived with them, um, I, I couldn't really communicate with them. Um, my you know, because of my dyslexia and their lack of English. But we managed to smile and point and, yeah, people were starting to sort of get used to me after a while. So it was very challenging. Uh, but from France, I went to London and went into the underground. I went, mm. yeah, I can do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was a little bit... Got <laughs> it together. scary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I found yeah. the underground extremely scary, um, oh. yeah, getting myself around London. No, I couldn't do it on my own. I'd need someone with me. Oh, yeah, well, so I was very brave, very brave woman. <laughs> well, I one little thing in in London. I was in the underground looking at their map, thinking, mm, okay, because I felt like I was playing Monopoly in London because of you know mm -hmm. all the streets. <laughs> and there was a busker just saying, uh, singing that song, "Let me take you by the hand and lead you through the streets of London." And I just started to cry, and I went, "Well, no one's got my hand." <laughs> and then I went. But that's okay. I'm I'm here. Yeah. You know, so I pulled it together. I had lots of moments where I just went, Whoa, what am I doing? But mm. yeah, I managed. What an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you. We can do anything we put our minds to. Yeah, kind of. It just takes us longer. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it does take a little bit longer. It takes us longer, and a yeah. a bit more organisation yeah. to be disorganised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... Um, how I found out about you and your work, because you live in sunny Queensland. Port Douglas. Port Douglas, beautiful spot, um, part of Australia. And I think the article I read about you was that um, even just a menu can sometimes be difficult for you to read. So how do you get about day to day? Because you know, that's a, a skill we need really is to be able to read those simpler things. So how do you manage? In France, I watched the plates come out. <laughs> I was very lucky I found a little place in France where the girl was New Zealand so she could speak and I said what's that um, but on the everyday um, normally I'm with somebody I normally don't go out on my own um, especially to a restaurant um, and I will um, listen to them reading the menu out and mm -hmm. watch where their finger is 
um, of course, those who are close to me know. Yeah. But if I'm with other people who don't, no, no one fully understands what we go through, and I don't expect them to. Mm. This is my life, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the way I sort of kind of cover it up is I'll listen to them talking about the menu and I'll watch where they're reading and I'll I'll see what they pick and then I'll listen and I'll look and then I might ask, oh, what do you think of this? I have no idea what it says. Um, and that's sort of kind of how I get around things a little yeah. bit. Yeah. It's amazing skill really to have a... You're using so many other skills that you have, like listening and watching what everyone else is doing. I watch people like anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think humans are generally people watchers, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Well, menus are names, street signs are one of my worst. Mm-hmm. So if I'm trying to find a street, I match it with the shape. Um, but menus, yeah. Which is unfortunate because I actually learned how to make coffee, but then I couldn't do it because the people writing the orders, I couldn't read that. Mm -hmm. If it's a docket, typed Mm -hmm. docket, I can read it, but I can't write, I can't read handwriting. Yeah. So that sort of threw that sort of thing out of the window. Um, But yeah, food and menus and street signs and people's names are are probably out of 10 out of 10. They're the 10, they're the hardest. And street yeah. signs are hard because they're so small anyway, so that doesn't yeah. – it puts us on a bad footing to begin with. Yeah. So, but, yes, and for me, navigating, if I can't – I have to call my sister to spell the street name. So she used to have to help me. I'd call her lost and she'd be like, well, where are you? Because I can't read a malway. <laughs> so, honestly, if it wasn't for technology, I'd be so – I'd be stuck in a room. I love technology. And everyone I speak to that's dyslexic, we always end up talking about technology. But at least now if I I can call my sister and say I can't spell the street I need to go to and she'll spell it for me and then I can put in the sat-nav and I can get get my way there. Yeah. Fine. But it's um, that is still a struggle. Yeah. But um, reading the street signs, they're so small and I don't know if anyone can really read them. In Melbourne, anyway, I don't know what they're like in Queensland. Oh, I'm not fan. Uh, well, I lived in a suburb that was all the streets were named after trees, which oh, nice. was beautiful. Yeah, but I can't like they're massive. Like I, uh, I can't even remember what street I was on now. Oh, yeah, but that were difficult. You know, it was a beautiful idea. Yeah, uh, absolutely, and it was a beautiful area. But yeah, it was like I couldn't read them. The world yeah. is made for people to be to have really strong literacy skills. I mean, even yes. yeah. I found on social media, I've never had a Facebook page until I started Dear Dyslexic um, because it makes me anxious writing something because I won't have spelt it right. And if I want to post something, I have to get someone to check it for me first because I'm too worried that I'll have spelt something wrong. And I found on like LinkedIn for work, that people are highly critical of other people's literacy skills. Oh, heck yeah. And I think, well, <laughs> you know, we might be in a profession, but it doesn't mean we've all got the same skill set and people don't take into account that there are some of us that are really quite bright, but there's an area that we really struggle with. And so social media has been one area that I've kind of shied away from because I don't want to be out there and people going, well, what's wrong with her? Why can't she spell? That's well, that right. sentence doesn't make sense. <laughs> Why can't you spell? Why can't you Surely spell? you can spell by now. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> You've been to uni, you can spell. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. That's right. So I find it really hard. But um, so what do you think the perception of dyslexia is in our community? Do you think people talk about it much? I mean, my sister still says to me, why can't you do that? I say, because I'm dyslexic. And she just goes, and she just looks at me. 
she goes, oh. <laughs> like, yeah. So, and you know, we're two peas in a pod and we're so close, but she still says, and I think, well, you should know by now. Yeah. So what do you think from your perception or perspective people think about dyslexia? It's like I said before, um, I don't expect people to understand me. I'm still understanding myself, you know, uh, but I feel I've done a great job in learning about myself. Um, the good thing is my sister's dyslexic too, so hey. Uh, yeah, see, <laughs> so we're a good piece of, yeah, yeah, we're, we're a good, good couple of peas, us too, yeah. And yeah. yeah, well, that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> but um, look, I, I, to be honest, I never exposed a lot about this side of me until only um, probably three years ago. I okay. started to actually allow people to see who I really was and I started, I tried to stop lying um, and protecting myself and I I sort of would allow a little bit more open to come out and then I'd ooh, shut down. Now I'm actually fairly open. I still have times when I go, oh, you know, because I don't expect people to understand but I've noticed now that people are approaching me with their children mm. and they buy my books even purely out of support for what I'm doing. Um, but, yeah, I've only about, oh, before I took off, a lady, um, I was in the shop just, you know, and I don't even know how it came up now, something. I think her son, I can't remember now, but it came up dyslexic, you know. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, so am I. I said, and um, I said, but I'm a writer, so so don't don't put him in a box, uh, allow him just to find his skills. He will, mm. you know, mm -hmm. and bang, we just like hit it off. She brought all my books. Oh, wow. Um, talk to him about me, um, wants me to meet him, you know. So I'm finding now that I recognise that there's a lot of children that, yeah. And I've done workshops. I have a, a beautiful teacher in Port Douglas recognised me and brought me in to do author and resident workshops in the mm, primary that's school. How I read about you. I yeah. Think. Oh, yeah. Ah, lovely opportunity. Scary. I'm back in school. It's like, <laughs> oh, I don't like school, you know. <laughs> but I could see the kids. And I remember one teacher just saying to me, LJ, that child has never responded so well to a visiting, you know, teacher as what he has to you. And he actually, because I do craft in the workshops and stuff, and um, he had a great time. Well, it was pretty obvious he had issues, mm. you know. Um, but, yeah, he sat down and did the whole workshop and she was like, wow. So, yeah, so now I'm finding that it's quite exposed mm -hmm. and it's still there. But the teachers are a lot more aware of it now and, oh, that it, that's got to help them for mm. sure. Yeah. But I think we need more teachers, uh, less numbers in classes, from the schools I've been at, the teachers are beautiful. They really give everything they can give, but they can't handle 30 kids in one That's class. Hard, isn't it? Mm. We need to allow uh, people like myself who are uneducated, they need to allow us to go through like teacher's aid courses, help us to get through those mm -hmm. things so we can come in on a different level. Yeah. We're not coming in on the intellectual level. We're coming in on a different level mm -hmm. to reach these kids. Um, that's what I seen from being in the schools. Yeah. Yeah. Has all the cover up 
um, cause you anxiety? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, Yeah, but I know myself so much more now that I know when I'm going to freak out. Yeah. And I'll say to myself, okay, have a freak out now. Mm -hmm. Come on, tears, freak out. Especially like when I first got the contracts in the primary school, um, I was, of course, over the moon when he approached me. And it was all happy and celebrations, yay, you know, and then when I had to actually do it, do it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and walk in, and the, all these 30 kids are looking at me, I just like went, ah. Um, yeah, anxiety, I think, goes along with with this for mm. sure, because um, we want to be normal. We want people to like us and to see us to be normal, you know, and then yeah. I think, well, what's normal anyway? Yeah, yeah right. you know, it's just because we have dyslexia. Um, it doesn't, yeah, it, it doesn't make us non-normal. It just makes us different. Yes, that's so, right. So, yeah. Have you found that since you've started talking about it more openly and that this will make it even more public for you once we um, put this up on our website? So do you think that's helped alleviate some of the anxiety? Um, I've learned how to uh, manage it a bit more. Mm-hmm. But every day I learn how to manage it a bit more because sometimes I do things and um, I sort of feel really, yeah, this is fine. You know, the dyslexia isn't really cutting in. It isn't really, you know, but then I step out of here and bang, I've got to face the world again and find out how to get home, you know, because this isn't my hometown. Mm. Um, but yes, definitely. And I'm not so embarrassed. Like the teacher that hired me, I said to him straight away, I'm dyslexic. Do you understand that? Have you any idea what that is, you know? And I said to him, please, if you see something spelt wrong, you will not offend me to come in and correct that. And, you know, it was so cute how he did it. He'd come in and go, good morning, LJ. He'd rub something off and put it back up. Even (laughs) though I had gone through it, I tried to Google it. I thought I had the right spelling. Unfortunately, uh, technology still does let you down a little bit. Yes, yeah, yeah. it does. We were talking about yeah. that earlier today that it's a great tool for us and people say to me, have you spell-checked? I'm like, of course I've spell-checked. Yeah, Don't you think we've done that? <laughs> I get really annoyed with people when they say that. So I'm like, it's not a strength. Of course I'm going to spell-check. But still it doesn't always pick up and it doesn't pick up the grammar because no. that's one of my issues. I get my tenses mixed up a lot. And yeah. so it doesn't always pick up that. So, yeah, yeah. well, at least he can come. Or do the kids ever say that's not spelt right? Um, uh, Are they too little? No, no. I had um, older classes and that. I think once they did. Um, yeah, I think once I did. But it was, yeah, by then I'd done so many workshops in the schools that mm. I was more relaxed and... Um, they think I'm lovely. Of course they would. They do. They think I'm beautiful. It's so nice. And I walk down the street and I hear, I, on the beach, it's like, oh, LJ! And they come and give me a hug. And so, so yeah, um, I, yeah, some of them, you know, especially in the higher classes, mm. they, they can see that there's something there. Uh, but, yeah, I, I feel quite comfortable with children and yeah. kids. Yeah. So you feel like you found your place now with your writing and working in the schools and Um oh I mean we never quite I don't know, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a nice spot to, that you're in right now. Yeah, well I've um and... Oliver's book is my first chapter book. 
So this will, um, I'm growing up with the kids, you know. I've got kids who have read all my books and they're like in lower grades and they're growing up and as they're growing up, I'm growing up with them. They're all waiting on my next book now. So, um, and it's a chapter book, it's not a picture book. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're waiting on this book and once I've got this book and get this book out, it will then launch me. So at the moment I'm not doing any workshops or anything but it will launch the workshops back up again. And, yeah, I'm getting braver and braver that I'll probably start to put maybe a little bit of um, literature out to other schools to see whether they want to, if they're interested. How exciting. Yeah. Has it been hard to write a chapter book when you've got more words that you need to put into it? Uh, well, actually, no. I have, on the opposite, I always have way, you know, Lots of words. Mm -hmm. um, I actually wrote a novel, first off, uh, of uh, 130,000 words. Wow. Yeah, that's when I first had this story in my head and it was just like, uh, writers actually call it, um, they, call it they, they call it like a, a vomit, a word of, you know, words mm -hmm. of vomit. In other words, you just throw it out. You don't yeah. even think about anything. So I, I sort of did that for like a couple of years and then I met up with an editor, as much as it was very awkward, she was the one that said to me, um, wow, you've got really original ideas, but, uh, you, you know, she showed me a few different things and stuff, and that's when she said, oh, wow, you don't read, I can't believe that. Uh, that book is sitting on the mantelpiece, and that's when I took off and did the kids' books because I couldn't knock over the editing on that one. Yeah. So, yeah, the chapter book, oh, it, it's in France, because I couldn't talk to anyone, I started writing poetry. Wow. So the chapter book actually started to rhyme a little bit more. So, yes, plenty of words. I think I'm on, um, I've warned the kids, I've got lots of words this time <laughs> to read. I think I'm on about uh, 9,000. So I've got to keep it under 10,000 mm, for the editor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, there's a, like a 10,000 line with my editor. So do they read yeah. it back to you so you can hear or do you use speech to text so you can hear what you've written? No, I only buy, um, I only buy um, electronic editors mm -hmm. so I don't know them. Okay. I don't want to know them. <laughs> I know it sounds really silly but I don't like emotion to get involved with editing because to me editing is a very technical thing. Mm -hmm. Um don't tell me what you think, just correct my spelling, correct my grammar, uh, make suggestions if the story, if suddenly the fox becomes a rabbit, you know, yeah. had it happen. Um, so I buy an editor purely for te technical mm. things yeah. and um, that's the editor that I buy. So it's all electronic, wow. so it's easy, there's no handwriting. Mm -hmm. So you just go through and you either accept or reject their changes. Mm -hmm. And you do it like three times. Yeah. And then you can buy them again if you want to. So wow. that's the way I do it. I can't do editing face-to-face -face because their emotion gets in my way because mm. they might come in and they might be in a bad mood. And I don't cope well with that because yeah. I want the job done. So, yeah, I buy it on online. Wow, that's it. Because yeah. we've had Jackie French, we've interviewed her as well. And so um, she's talked about her editor and how they've supported her with her writing. So it's interesting to see how you do it because everyone does it differently. Well, maybe I just haven't found my editor yet who wants maybe. to be 
on my plate and yeah. deal with me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I haven't, but I, I spend a lot of money on an editor. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, my mum is my yep. editor for most of my work. But I have okay. looked into, um, there's a psychologist I met and she sends her reports to an editor, like a medical editor. She's dyslexic and so yep. she'll write a report, she sends it to them and then they send it back and make sure it's all spell checked and grammar and reads well and then she can hand the report over to whoever it needs to go to. Yeah. So there's lots of little tools and tricks out there. Um, my mum doesn't have a lot of time anymore so lucky I don't write <laughs> as much as I used to. <laughs> Although she still checks everything from my interview questions. Oh, good on her. Yeah, I'm very lucky that I've got her. I wouldn't have got this far without her. So, yeah. yeah. Well, um, mate, I think eventually I'll have a team. Yeah. But it sounds like you'll need one soon. Uh, yeah, I'd like one. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, I kind of, I'm kind of a bit hot-headed as far as I won't have people telling me I can't do it. Yeah. That's the that's where I'm coming from and. I kind of had a few experiences in very early days that, you know, oh, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of went, well, I can't stop doing it. That's yeah. the problem is I can't stop doing it. I love writing. And I think that's yeah. the worst thing to tell someone who's dyslexic is they can't do it because I think we're quite yeah. um, resilient and we'll say, well, actually, yes, we can. Well, that's yeah. what we'd like to promote on the side is that yeah. we can do it. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I am going to – look, I would love to have a team. I'd probably love to share the illustrations and all that. And I have attempted, but it hasn't worked out. So what do I do, stop and wait? No, I just keep going. Yeah. I figure – and, yeah, I, I'd love to have an editor who's maybe, you know, we can meet or something, but it's not priority. Yeah. And I'm not going to wait and look. I'm just going to keep writing and keep doing what I'm doing until I find another way of doing it. Well, it's a yeah. great strategy for people out there who might like yeah. to take up writing that they could use an editor like that. Yeah. So um, is there anything you'd like to share, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today or any tips that might support Ooh. them or help them getting through their day-to-day -day lives? Um, tips? Um, uh, let's see. Just have a go. You know what? Um Risk taking does stir up anxiety for sure. Mm -hmm. um, spending money on an editor, you know, I take a deep breath and go, okay, I think I'll pick this one this time. Um, but take a risk, you know, like if you don't do it, it drives you crazy. If you do it, it drives you crazy. So you might as well just do it and Lisa say you've had a go. Yeah. You know, it's like, just take a risk, yeah, and try and work out as much as possible that maybe you don't lose that much money or you don't get yourself in too much of a mess, but, you know, if you do, well, it, yeah, just take a risk and, and have a go at your dreams or have a go at... For me, I can't stop writing. It's almost like I'm possessed with it now. <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> I've even yelled up there, go, leave me alone. <laughs> Let me sleep at night, please. <laughs> uh, and every time I don't have a story, bang, you know, something happens, a dog dies or something, whatever. Um, but, yeah, this, these little ideas that go on in your head, it, I believe they're actually your little dreams of, you know, a lot of people talk about them. I just say, go, actually, try and do it. Just give it a go. Yeah. You know, just give it a go. So take a risk. 
Well, thank you. That's a lovely note to end on, I think. So thank you so much for coming on the show today and for giving us an insight into your life and all your wonderful achievements. I'm sure you've inspired a lot of our listeners today and reinforced the fact that, you know, we should all give it a go, give it a try. And for our listeners out there to find out more about LJ's books, you can visit our website. And um, until then, we'll speak to you next time. Thank you. Thank you. 